It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is July 12th, 2019. My name is Philip Rosenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, I'll talk a little bit about some lingering issues with Summer League as the Magic prepare for their final Summer League game on Saturday against the Chicago Bulls. Uh, We've kind of lost a little bit of interest in that since Mo Bamba went out. I'll tie up one more loose end on Summer League real quick before we move on to uh, the off-season portion of our show. And then I'll talk a little bit about where the Magic stand as far as salary cap room and their books looking ahead to uh, to kind of planning out the future for this team now that this summer is over, I'll explain why the you know again why the Magic had to kind of make some of the moves that they did this off season and what position they're left in now as they try to move forward and look to improve. I mean, the Magic certainly kind of potentially backed into a little bit of a corner here, but again, not much they could do about that. But before we get to any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. By searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like there's a podcast covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you find here. Want the lowdown on the big Russell Westbrook trade to the Houston Rockets? Check out Locked On Rockets and Locked On Thunder. Both, Both do a great job covering their teams because they know their teams better than anyone. You can also find the national perspective on Locked On NBA to get you caught up on everything going on at Summer League. Plus, Locked On Fantasy Basketball has you covered as you begin to think about the upcoming season. You can find all these podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Google Play app, wherever you download podcasts by searching for Locked On and the team you're looking for. And don't forget, there's also MOB, NFL, and college podcasts too. So your favorite team is probably covered by a Locked On Podcast Network. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I don't want to spend too much time here on Summer League because, like I said, it's, you know, I hate to say it, it's kind of lost some interest. You know, I do think the Magic will bring in a few players off the Summer League roster to training camp, whether they're on two-way contracts, Exhibit 10 contracts, or whatnot. You know, I'll I'll recap it a little bit more Monday on, on kind of our takeaways from Summer League. Uh, as we begin to to look forward and look ahead uh, to kind of the the dead time of the season, we're almost kind of at that point where you know we're going to go three days a week on this show, and and we're going to kind of stay a little quiet 
uh, before things really ramp up again with uh, the FIBA World Cup coming up at the end of the month. I am expecting that the Magic will have three participants in the FIBA World Cup with Nikola Vucevic playing for Montenegro. Evan Fournier, I've already heard and, and read, is expected to play for France. And uh, Al Farouk Aminu usually plays for Nigeria. So we'll see if uh, all three of those... I, I expect Vucevic to play. Montenegro does not make the World Cup very often. It's a big deal for, for Vucevic. And while I know he has a newborn that I'm sure he'd like to hang out with before the season starts because there's like a week b- between the end of the World Cup and the beginning of training camp, I-, I think that this is a big deal for him. So I expect him to play. I expect Fournier to play. And I do expect Aminu to play at uh, the FIBA World Cup. So we'll talk about that uh, coming up here in the future. We're not going to talk too much about that right now. But I do want to tie up one more loose end with Summer League before we kind of go into full recap mode. I I think that Mo Bamba had a really strong game. His 15 points in his his only game at Summer League was really encouraging and and really impressive, especially for someone who hasn't played basketball. Um, You know, I think a lot of the things that we could criticize, we can brush off perhaps as rust. Um, you know, I do think there are some lingering concerns, but nothing I think that I get too worked up about. So Bamba's been gone for the last three games, obviously. Uh, and of course, we'll miss the fourth game as well. And in his wake has been a team that doesn't have that dominant player. That would be a nice place to start, I suppose. Doesn't have that kind of dominating player doesn't have a player that we're really keeping a close eye on. And so, yeah, the team expectedly went 1-3. and three. They lost their last three games. They're not playing in the, in the Summer League tournament. They'll, they'll play a consolation game on Saturday. And that's that. Again, nothing too out of the ordinary. Nothing too unexpected, in, in my opinion. But having said that, there's been at least one interesting development, or one one development that I think uh, is worth discussing and monitoring. In Mobamba's wake, or in Mobamba's stead, Emil Jefferson has been the best player on the team. As we've known since the regular season ended, he is a smart player. He knows where to find his gaps and how to contribute and not play too far out of himself. He is a solid guy, a, a guy that coaches really like, and you can see that when he's given the minutes in this setting. And Jefferson has been the team's leading scorer. He's, he's been the best player on the team. And that's not a surprise. Emil Jefferson has made it a living, dominating the G League and dominating in Summer League. He thrives in this environment. For whatever reason, this is his time. But it's hard to see what he can do at the NBA level. I remember asking Steve Clifford about this late in the season, and he had nothing but positive things to say about Emil Jefferson. Whereas he says a lot of young guys, you know, especially because they've kind of gone through the AAU ringer and, and didn't spend a lot of time in college, don't have great work habits. Steve Clifford went out of his way to praise Emil Jefferson's work, work habits, to praise Jefferson as a guy that he can trust, that he can throw into a game, or felt comfortable throwing into a game and doing exactly what the coach has asked him to do, doing exactly what his team needs to do. And you can watch it that you can watch it and see that the magic or Clifford trusts Jefferson and that Jefferson does a lot of the right things. He is a solid player. 
uh, uh, just a good guy. And again, that's why he thrives in this summer league environment. You don't have to run a lot of plays for him. He's going to find ways to make an impact and do something positive on the floor. But unfortunately, that's not the whole story. Unfortunately, that's not enough to make it to the NBA. And as Clifford even said, you know, when he was asked about Jefferson at the end of the season, it's just about finding the right situation to put him out there. It's about finding the right setting to play him. And that hasn't been easy. Jefferson is a six foot nine center who's not particularly big or long, doesn't have an outside jumper, so he can't spread the floor at all. And just a difficult player to kind of place in the sort of in the in the pantheon or in in, in the in the, the setting that the team needs. That's the reality of things. That Jefferson's very good for what he is, but perhaps isn't more. And unfortunately, I have to say the Summer League has has done little to expand upon that. It's done little to change that narrative, to change that analysis. I like Emile Jefferson a lot. I've enjoyed watching him play this Summer League. He is a smart player. He is a good player. He He can gobble up rebounds. He finds himself in the right spots. He, he's, he is a solid player. But I also see him struggle with the size that Jared Allen presented in, in Wednesday's game against the Brooklyn Nets. I saw him pass up open jumpers, and when he did take them, miss them pretty badly on, on some occasions. Saw a player who knows what he's good at and sticks to that, but hasn't expanded his game to a place that the modern NBA asks you to expand. And that's sort of where we're at with Emile Jefferson. In Summer League, you want to see players make progression. And again, This is not to knock Emile Jefferson. I know he's been working hard. I saw him in the Amway Center during the draft process. He is a good player. But during the summer league, you want to see the progress players have made. Going from point A to point B so that they can get to point C by the end of the year. Mo Bamba, for instance. I think, you know, it was important to see that he was right back at least where he left off at the end, before the injury. And while I definitely have some things I'm still a little concerned with when it comes to to Mo Bamba, just watching that one game, and I know it was one game, so small sample size. To me, Mo Bamba was right back where he was in January. That's good. I'm not complaining about that. And so for Mo Bamba, it's been a successful summer. Or summer league, at least. Emile Jefferson, I have to say, is right where he was with the Lakeland Magic. Certainly improved in some areas. I'm not saying he didn't improve in in some areas, but the bigger picture with Emile Jefferson, the pathway for him to get minutes on this team, to be more than a two-way player, because frankly, one year on a two-way contract, you should be ready to graduate to the main roster. 
I'm not seeing that. And I think Emil Jefferson could have a great career, make a lot of money in Europe. He is a good player. He is going to find a place somewhere in the basketball universe to scratch out a living, score a lot of points, and make a lot of money. I'm not sure it's in the NBA, and I don't think it's with the Magic anymore. That's unfortunate. He is a good guy. He is, a, again, a good player. I like him as a player. But the NBA just may not be the league for him. He could prove me wrong, and I'd be happy if he did. But what I'm seeing in Summer League is a lot of the same of what we've expected from Emil Jefferson. He can put up numbers in this setting, but is he truly dominating? Is he truly changing the game? Does he look like a player who has been through the NBA you know, rigmarole? And he has. He definitely looks like one of the better players on, on the floor. But I wouldn't say he's dominating these games. And I wouldn't say he's taken that, next, that necessary next step. And that's the unfortunate part that Emil Jefferson might have kind of wound his way through to the end of his tenure with the Orlando Magic. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Another player who found his tenure with the Orlando Magic cut short uh, was Timothy Mozgov. Um, earlier this week, the Orlando Ma- or uh, late last week, early this week, the Orlando Magic announced they had waived Timothy Mozgov. By all reports, the Magic have stretched his salary, so he'll have a about a $5.7 million hit over the next three years instead of the $16.7 million uh, for, the, for the loan season. And, you know, just doing the math, by all accounts, this was done because of the luxury tax. In order to re-sign Cam Birch, in order to re-sign Michael Carter-Williams, in order to front-load Nikola Vucevic's contract, the Orlando Magic, you know, and, and to avoid the luxury tax, which the Magic certainly want to do, as, as they're not a team that should be paying the tax, in order to do all these things, the Magic had to cut Timofey Mozgov and had to stretch him. A lot of the talk around Mozgov had been about keeping him and retaining him to use him as a trade asset down the line. To use him as someone that the Magic could, could swap kind of dead salary for live salary. We talked about him in potential big trades for superstar players, whether it was Russell Westbrook or whoever. Or in kind of Smaller deals, like an Eric Gordon, perhaps. To bring in someone who could give you value. Uh, for instance, during the NBA, during the Locked On NBA mock draft, I traded Mozgov for J.R. Smith, you know, again, in a cost-cutting measure to, to bring in a player that wouldn't give me dead money on the books. And I'm so curious if, if a deal like that couldn't be on the table for Orlando, especially with that draft pick. Um, you know, that, that, that's how I used it. But who knows? Who knows where they would have, if Chumo Kiki would have been there. Again, I think Chumo was their guy. So at the end of the day, Orlando chose their tax savings over the potential to bring in, uh, uh, to use that, that piece as a trade asset. And I think, and, and you know, you have to understand both sides of that argument. Yes, I think Mozgov would have been a good trade asset in February, 
But are you going to wait that long? Are you going to be willing to lose out on a Ken Birch, on a, you know, perhaps even a Michael Carter Williams, to let that happen? To, to, for the chance that might happen. And if there's one thing I think we know about this front office is they'll be a little cautious. And so I think they decided that, you know, we're not going to risk falling into the luxury tax. They're hard capped already uh, 38, at $138 million. They're hard capped already. They're not going to fall into the luxury tax. They were just going to get it done now and set themselves up to stay under the tax this year, bring back their roster, and move forward from there. I don't think it was the wrong decision. I think it's a completely rational decision. Of course, the Magic have more information about what the trade market's like than we do, so we can speculate all we want about potential trades. The Magic made this decision because they probably didn't see any trades out there that they could they could do. So be it. Let that, let that sit. And so, now with the Magic having re-signed Ken Birch, Michael Carter-Williams, their summer is essentially over. The Magic have one roster spot left. Um, I, I think they still have to sign Chuma Okiki. I didn't see an official release that the Magic had signed Okiki, but that's a formality. Although, in order for him to use the practice facility, they would have to sign him, so I, I would expect that to happen. Um, the Magic still have to, to do that. They'll have their two-way contracts to give out, roster spots, but you know we're talking about end of the roster. The Magic are done. As, as most teams are at this point. And so now comes the question of what happens next? What comes next for the Orlando Magic? Where do they go from here? And I think the unfortunate thing that I have to report is the Magic are very committed to this team now. We all know that they're bumping up against the luxury tax. They are right there against the tax. And that's going to be how they exist for at least a little while longer. I noted back when we were prepping for free agency that the Magic had to make their free agency moves this summer. Any move they wanted to make, they had to do now. Because next year's free agency class is not very good. And so really, the Magic were committing to this team for two years. This season and next season. And that is 100% the case. The, Ma- the team the Magic have now, again, four-year four year deals for Vucevic and, and Ross, three-year deal for Aminu, two-year deal for Birch. This team is the Orlando Magic for the next two seasons. You can determine if that's positive or negative on another day. That's not the debate today. What that also means is the Magic are committed financially to this team. Now let's break down some of these numbers for this year especially. With the report from Josh Robbins of the Orlando Sun of, of I'm sorry of the Athletic, I'm still getting used to that. With the report from Josh Robbins of the Athletic, Nikola Vucevic's contract is front loaded, he'll make 28 million dollars this coming year and that'll decline. Terrence Ross is owed 12 and a half million this year, Alfred Camino 9.3 million, add in Ken Burch's let's assume 3 million. And Orlando is at $130.3 million, about $130.3 million committed to this season alone. The luxury tax is 132.6. So assume Michael Carter Williams is at about $2 million. Orlando is right at that tax number. They'll, they'll probably come just below it. 
And of course, they'll fall short of the $138 million hard cap that they cannot go over for any reason this year. They cannot take more salary back in a trade. They can only take $6 million more of salary back in a trade if it comes down to it. So Orlando is up against the cap this year. Or against the tax this year. That we already know. So what does this mean for the future? So considering Vucevic's contract declines and, and Ross's contract kind of bounces up and down a little bit. According to Eric Pincus's salary database with Basketball Insiders, the Magic are already committed to $76.2 million for next season. It's a good chunk of their cap already. That does not include Evan Fournier's player option for the final year of his contract. That's $17.2 million. He's expected to take that. Or team options for Markel Fultz, Jonathan Isaac, and Mo Bamba. That'll get you much higher up. So the Magic's likely guaranteed salary total for 2021, making these assumptions that the Magic will pick up these options, that Fournier will pick up his option, is $119 million. The bad news for the Magic here is the projected 2021 salary cap. And of course, this could change up or down. It's not set in stone. The projected salary cap for the 2021 season is $118 million. The Orlando Magic will be over the cap once again next year. They won't be a taxpayer. So they'll have the non-taxpayer MLE, which will get them another $10 million. They'll have their own draft pick, which who knows where that will be. And that'll be how they'll add players next year, assuming no trades at this point. So Orlando is already going to be over the cap for next season. And so this is your team. This is your Orlando Magic. Now, what this is all a preview for is the summer of 2021. That will be a big summer for the Orlando Magic. Now, already Orlando is going to have a little bit less money committed to that year. But it's also a year the Magic will have to make big payouts. Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz will both be restricted free agents in the summer of 2021 unless they sign extensions beforehand. Next summer is extension summer for Isaac and Fultz. For now, the Magic only have $68.7 million dollars in committed salary, plus $11 million in likely options for Mobamba and Chuma Okiki. And then $52.5 million in cap holds for Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac. The league makes you handle your restricted free agents first. That's why their cap holds are so big. On top of that, Evan Fournier has a $25.7 million cap hold. So if you think that the Magic will have cap room by 2021, you are wrong. The Magic will not have cap room in 2021. They'll have to take care of their own guys and probably spend money there. So there are big money decisions to be made, and it's going to be interesting over the next two years to watch how Jeff Weltman handles it, to watch how the Magic handle this potential. Now, a lot of this is going to get decided on the court, and what I've always said about this team coming up, and it didn't matter what the Magic did with Vucevic and Ross or whoever, This team's future is staked on internal development. This team's future is staked on Aaron Gordon getting better, on Jonathan Isaac getting better, on Mo Bamba getting better, on Markel Fultz getting better. 
those guys get better, those guys start playing better, and their contracts take care of themselves. The Magic are willing to invest and keep things rolling. They stagnate, they struggle. Then summer 2021, you can let them walk and maybe you get a little bit of cap room there. Maybe you make a trade down the line. What's going to be really interesting to watch over the next two seasons now is A, do the Magic keep up their playoff, their playoff run? Do they get back to the playoffs next year? Do they keep growing? And B, how do these young players sort themselves out on the roster? And with those players sorting themselves out, what do the Magic do with them? I said earlier in the week that I did not think now was the time to make a deal for a star player like a Russell Westbrook, and, and I would even argue for, for, for right now a Bradley Beal. Although Bradley Beal, I think, fits this roster a lot better. I don't think it's the time to give up or, or move around any of these young players. But the hope is, the hope is that you ha- you've banked up enough assets, you have enough young players playing well, that you could turn them into a really strong player or that player that takes you over the top. To get one of these star players, you typically need a star of your own on the roster. Kawhi Leonard wasn't going to the Clippers without Paul George there. I think that's a fact. He would have stayed in Toronto. And and I was telling people before he signed, I bet Kawhi Leonard told the Clippers, go get me another star and I'll come back and sign with you next year. I really thought Leonard was going to sign a one-on-one with Toronto. Stay there, let other teams kind of work to, 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 to entice him later on down the road. The Clippers obviously took care of their business. Having that star in tow, having that reliable player that a, a star can grow with and get better with and win immediately with is how you get these players. The second part is having the assets to do it. And Orlando has the assets. We were talking seriously, and we will continue to talk seriously, about Orlando getting in with the next disgruntled star. I'm already fielding tweets and people saying, could the Magic get Chris Paul from Oklahoma City? And, and the, answer, the short answer is, if they really wanted to, they could. I don't think they really want to. Because again, I don't think they're at that stage. As, as, as I've told a few people... I think Orlando is one step below there. They're not quite ready to bring that star into, uh, onto the team yet, but they're almost there. And it's going to depend on the internal growth of these players. Without cap room, trades are the only way the team is going to get significantly better. And the only way they're going to get significantly better is if they bundle up valuable assets to acquire them. And the only way those assets gain value is if the, the internal improvement on the team gets better. And who knows, maybe that internal improvement makes this team the team. Maybe Jonathan Isaac makes a huge leap. Maybe Aaron Gordon makes a huge leap, and all of a sudden you have two, three all-stars on the team. I don't think Orlando's that team. I don't think it'll all happen in once. But, you know, Aaron Gordon has all-star potential. I do believe that. Nikola Vucevic has already proven he's an all-star. We still don't really know what Jonathan Isaac is. And I think Jonathan Isaac could be very, very, very good. Could be a while, but he could be very, very, very good. So we don't know that that star that the Magic are searching for, that fans are hungering for, could already be on the roster. Don't forget that. 
talking about Aaron Gordon, who's 23. Jonathan Isaac, who's 21. Mo Bamba, who's 20, coming near 21. Markel Fultz, who's 21. That guy could already be in the house. But certainly, their potential and their continued improvement will make it easier to make deals with them and to get that guy that gets the team over the hump. And that's really what the Magic have set themselves up for. They are capped out for the foreseeable future. Without making some move to clear salary cap, to to dump some salary, this is their team. For the next two years at least, this is their team. And as I said, that was to be expected. That is what I thought would happen with how poor the free agency class was over over the next two years, that Orlando would commit to this group for the short term. And that's what they've done. So don't expect the Magic to be players in free agency. Don't expect the Magic to make huge, splashy free agent moves. But expect them to be involved in trade rumors for the next few years. Especially if they continue to play well. That's what this thing is all staked on now. is on internal growth, keeping them playing well and then bundling them up, bundling up those players to get a high-caliber guy to take them over the top. That's where Orlando's at entering the 2020 season. And of course, it starts with the guys on the roster today. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr-omd. Uh, and follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, the Google Play app, wherever you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Don't forget, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily. And, of course, follow me again on Twitter at philiprr-omd. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Ross and Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.